0: This is Andrew Gomeson, sitting in for Russ Van Allen on the Russ and I's Your Day Show. It's great to be with you today. We have a lot to cover, uh, and hopefully I'll be a little more natural-sounding than I have been uh, in the past couple of times that I guess hosted uh, but as with everything else, podcasting is a learning process, and I may have just committed one of the cardinal sins, which is to um, admit imperfection. Um, but I hope that helps you to relate to me and enough about that but it is as I said great to be with you it's great to be here on a Friday Uh, the weekend is upon us and so uh, for many of you you're closing out a busy work week and I hope that it was a relatively good and productive one and for those of you that have to work over the weekend I hope that that will go smoothly as well um, before we uh, dig into the many topics that we have for today, I simply uh, want to spend a little bit of uh, the time here in the beginning uh, to remind you that if you have any questions or comments about the Eyes Your Day show, you may contact Russ at russinize at gmail dot com, and he would be glad to take your information, um, whether it be a comment or a question, or possibly an article that you saw that you think should be commented about here on the show, and he will uh, use that in the future um, as he is able. So just want to make sure um, that you are aware of that, want to make sure that you uh, get in touch with Russ, and uh, that you continue to listen to the Russ and I is Your Day show, Um, know that it's available on iTunes and Stitcher, and so you can uh, take advantage of that now as well. And I hope, again, that that will be uh, beneficial to you. Um, Also noting that Russ has another uh, podcast, which is available on thefutureglimpse.com, The Russ Report. All right. Well, as you probably know, uh, be, if you've been listening to the Russ and I I's Your Day show, my name is Andrew Gamson, and I um, am the founder uh, and uh, may, founder of Speaking for Him uh, Ministries, as well as the host of the Speaking for Him podcast, which comes out every Friday. So on this day, you get a double dose of Drew, as it might as you might say. And On today's podcast, we're doing, over on SpeakingForHim.com, a free-form Friday, so we talk about some miscellaneous issues uh, that did not get into any of our topical podcasts as of yet. We talk about um, uh, a hymn story for the hymn, My Savior First of All, and then we talk about water, and we talk about earthquakes. And I'm not going to give away any more of that because I'd love for you to go to speakingforhim.com or iTunes or Stitcher to find the Speaking For Him podcast and join us every Friday for that. We are on episode 138, so we're about uh, 12 weeks away from 150, so that's pretty exciting in our neck of the woods. And I also want to take the opportunity at the beginning of the show here uh, to let you know that we are... um, In the process of, or we are getting ready in the next few weeks to record our Father's Day weekend podcast. And so if you are interested in contributing to that by letting your father know how much he means to you, you can do that by simply going to speakingforhim.blogspot.com, hitting the microphone on the right-hand side of the page, and leaving us a voicemail with that tribute. And then sharing with your father... About the podcast, which will air Father's Day weekend or be posted on my website Father's Day weekend. If you share with him that, then our our uh, base will be able uh, to be broadened. So uh, we would definitely appreciate that. And then one final note, as far as speaking for him is concerned, is that June 24th through the 29th, I will be taking a trip to the Nashville, uh, Tennessee area, where I will get the opportunity, Lord willing interview a national radio host Wally from The Wally Show syndicated out of Nashville Tennessee and Way FM there Um, I've been really um, challenged and blessed by The Wally Show which mixes the seriousness of faith with a lot of clean um, Christian humor and so I'm really excited to sit down with him and share that podcast In the coming weeks. Uh, Well that is about all that I have for you. From the Speaking for Him side of things. I don't want to take up all of Russ's show. Talking about myself. But just if you have any more interest. In having any more information. About Speaking for Him. You can go to www.speakingforhim.com And uh, we are uh, in the process of working out. Getting the website a facelift. So uh, there will be some exciting changes from the way it looks like right now. Uh, But I'm very blessed to have that website up there. And I hope that uh, you will contribute and comment and let me know what you would like to see uh, change there. What we can do better. What we've done all so far. And uh, very blessed to be able to uh, bring people good content both in the podcast and my blog which I update on Mondays if I have a standalone blog post that comes to mind that I feel the need to write about. Uh, And we also do Throwback Thursdays, which is a Thursday contribution to the blog where we go back into the archives of the podcast and share with you a past episode. So a lot going on there. And uh, now we're going to get into kind of the meat of our show. We have a lot to talk about on the political uh landscape and we're going to try to do that in an entertaining and uh engaging way one thing that i noticed uh, when i've recorded this podcast in the past is that i get a little fast so hopefully i can allow myself to take deep breaths and not uh, freak out so much about open air or dead air one of the things that's an issue for me is when i am doing my speaking for him podcast I have the luxury of a co-host, Adam McNutt, um, and I do not have that luxury uh, today, and Russ did not leave me with um, his intern, Jennifer. Must have given her the day off as well. Uh, So uh, we're just here, um, myself, in the satellite studios here, and uh, uh, hopefully we can get through what we need to get through, and if you enjoy this podcast, please let Russ know. So that he will continue to invite me back. Um, I don't get a lot. I don't get extremely political on my other show, and so the opportunity to be a regular contributor here is a good way to scratch that itch because I really do care about this country and the political process in which we find ourselves. Um, okay, I want to start um, with uh, the issue of one person, one voter, and I don't know a lot about this and I haven't had the chance to study it uh, in detail, but I think what is at, what is being discussed here is the issue of uh, whether um, voting districts should be determined by population or by eligible voters. And um, the situation there is that there seems to be some areas where there's an extremely uh, large population, and so um they would get representation based on that um but the but the eligible voters versus the actual population there's a great disparity so what they're uh questioning is whether we should really go to a um to a uh system which is based on districting based on the eligible voters um versus on the population and I as far as I'm understanding it and I hope I'm understanding it correctly I definitely favor that Um, going to the one person one voter model where the uh, districting is more in line with the number of voters versus the actual population Um, and but the one problem with that is that even for presidential elections, we tend to be uh, right around a 50 or 60% of eligible voters voting. So even a lot of people that are eligible uh, do not exercise their right to vote. And so it, it, in some ways it's kind of a uh, misnomer because some of the people that I know that complain the loudest about the way the political process works and the way they wish it would work instead are the ones who do not take the time um, to be involved in the process. And uh, so um, I hope that as we go through this um, uh, that we will uh, use common sense and hopefully make sure that The voters are the ones that get represented. Because I can definitely see where um, you can pack a district or a district can have um, uh, illegal immigrants or even legal immigrants that haven't yet um, been granted their citizenship and have the districts be skewed by that. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because as I said I don't have a whole lot of opinion formulated yet and I have not uh, studied it in depth so I will um, leave that to Russ and perhaps on Monday's show Russ can weigh in with his two cents on this particular issue um, but as, as far as I can see uh, I think that that is basically what we're dealing with is saying that the district should be represented by the number of legal voters um, and districted that way as opposed to the number of the population. And I think that I um, can definitely uh, get behind that thought process. Um, and then uh, continuing on as we are um, talking about um, voting, this came off Live this morning. Um, it says in this article, um, that, well, the headline says, three polling places moving in Grand Rapids, one targets boost in Latino turnout. Um, and the thing that I want to say right off the bat with this is it's kind of a deceptive article, deceptive premise article because the main premise or the start-out premise of this whole article and the need to move the vote is talking about how fewer than seven people per hour showed up to Cesar Chavez Elementary School earlier this month um, to cast a vote on the statewide proposal one. Um, That's 85 people out of the more than 1,800 people in the poll book. and that is a very low turnout, but I think it's a this, this the the May election was a bad election on which to base the need to move polling places, and I'll tell you why. My father raised me that when you when something comes up for a vote, you go and vote, you study about it, and then you vote for it, whichever way you feel that conscience is, conscience is leading you to vote. Because it's a civic duty to do so. However, I think it's very foolish for states to have to pay all the costs associated with an election for a single issue on the ballot. Literally, there was only one issue on the ballot. Yes or no to proposal one. And I think that would, that it's very foolish and I'm not gonna say there needs to be a law because I think that we can use common sense. But I think that it should be a practice of our local elections committees to say if we can't put more than if we can't put more than one issue um, on the ballot, then we should not necessarily have an election. I know that can be a difficult thing to um, decide and I don't know all the rules about it. But again, I just think it's a foolish waste of resources to have a single ballot issue on the ballot. I think we should go more than one issue. And I I think that's a big reason why people didn't go out to the polls. Not to mention that it was a very confusing proposal which purported to do something else which purported to do something aka roads but also talked about a ton of other things that just made it confusing and bogged down um and i had heard before uh this election that there were better proposals in the house and the senate to deal with the roads issue and i heard it from a very respected voice so i'm hoping that that is the case um and well i well i don't want to sound racist in my next statement um i don't understand why we are so concerned about raising the voting in a particular racial block we need to be considered a, we need to be concerned about raising the voting no matter what the race is having a 60% uh, uh attendance for voting on a presidential election level is pathetic. We have forefathers that fought for the right for us to live in a democratic republic where we are free to make decisions on our leaders and we, as a general rule, do not take the time to become educated about the things that matter and then go to the polls and use that education make a difference in our country that is a problem and that is a bigger problem than whether we get the black or the Latino or the white or whatever race you want to put in there individual vote it's a bigger problem than that and so my hope is that uh, people will realize the importance of voting they'll realize that they have um, an opportunity to make a change in their uh, state and in their country, and that they will take it, and they will do it with everything they have in them. So that is what I have to say about that um, particular story. Um, again, I don't know if um, this will, uh, what this will make a difference, or, or who, who exactly this will make a difference for. Um, uh, I know that uh, it says, let me just see if it says specifically here how many voters this will affect um, okay you um, see here uh, I don't see okay, it says the changes will affect five thousand four hundred and thirty four registered voters over three polling places so but the question is how many of these five thousand four hundred and thirty four registered voters will come out for the grand Rapids mayoral election which take pl- takes place august four that is the greater question and whether the moving of the polling places will actually encourage more people to come out remains to be seen and we will see if it indeed does occur all right let's see what we have here next um i want to spend a little bit of time uh, i know we don't um talk a lot about uh the other side or the the liberal side of things on uh, here on the russanizer day show but i just wanted to mention um that it, that uh Bernie Sanders began his first visit um, to Iowa since announcing his run in the Democratic primary with a standing-room-only um, crowd in the s- eastern city of Davenport. Um, the Thursday night turnout was much better than organizers expected. Of course, we know that Sanders uh, kind of faces an uphill battle uh, for the Democratic nomination, um, but I did want to say something here, and that is that um, I really think, and I'll probably say this again before the show is over, that as, as conservatives, um, I hesitate to say Republicans because people say, well, it shouldn't be about party, and I agree, but for the most part, the Republicans are the people that are in line with my views, um, and I think that if conservatives want to win this presidential election, they need to be focused not on beating Hillary, but on putting forth their views that they have on the important issues because they are right. If we run based on the fact that what we believe and what we're running for is for the good of the country and that we have better ideas then we have a great chance of winning. If we run simply uh, to beat Hillary, uh, we will not win. And I, I, you can quote me on that. When we get um, one person centric, you know. We we ran to beat Barack Obama twice. That was the main thing was beating Barack Obama, and we lost. We ran with people that couldn't lose because they were the bell of the ball, so to speak. They were the they, the kings of the party. We owed it to John McCain to make him the nominee. We owed it to Mitt Romney to make him the nominee because they earned it. We owed it to Bob Dole back in nineteen ninety six to make him the nominee. And guess what? They all lost. So when the people that we owe it to them to become the nominee lose, what do we have left? Not really much. Um so it'll be interesting to see if Bernie Sanders or anyone else uh can uh can give um hillary a run for their money um and who else jumps in i know uh russ has said that he would like to see uh old uncle joe biden jump in the race if only for uh the comedic value so we'll have to see uh if that happens and uh i also find it interesting that it was a standing room only uh rally for bernie sanders because obviously uh they can determine um, what uh, how big the room is that they decide to have a rally in. So I wonder if there wasn't some of that in play, but we will see um what happens as we go on through the election cycle. We'll see if Bernie Sanders does indeed put up a uh, formidable challenge to the Democratic nomination. Um, but as a conservative show here our main goal is to see uh, conservative family values go back to the white house and to find a presidential candidate who will live up to many campaign promises that are already being made about upholding constitutional values and we have an 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 inexhaustible list it seems like um who are people that are um, running um, and uh, including uh, Ben Carson, Ted Cruz, Carly Farina, Mike Huckabee, George Pataki, Rand Paul, Marco Rubio, and Rick Santorum. And uh, George Pataki and Rick Santorum just made their declarations this week, and uh, it, for the most part, it's looking like a pretty strong field. There's a lot of uh, good, good possible candidates. Um, I have major issue with George Pataki uh, because he has has shown himself to be an extreme liberal. Um, Both I don't know as much about fiscally, but it's um, concerned uh, with social issues for sure. He has shown himself uh, to be to be a a liberal, and we don't need um, two uh, extreme liberals duking it out for the White House. We need someone who is going to um, be a be a, an agent for change, and is going to uphold family values. And the, one of the problems that I see in uh, the whole process is I have. You know, a friend, or I, you know, I, I hear people say, including this friend, that Republicans need to be more centered. They need to be less right and more centered if they want to win. But what I often say, and I will continue to say, is that if if a uh, Republican tries to be liberal, they will lose to a liberal every time because liberals have been liberal longer. Democrats have been liberal longer, and they know what they're doing. And they will win the race for the most liberal every time. The answer is not to become like the Democrats. The answer is to separate yourself and to show yourself to be a better candidate. And uh, I think that um, if you prize the most uh, innocent among us, meaning the unborn, then chances are I'm going to agree with you on... Other major parts of policy, and as I said, this is a crowded field, and we're going to look at a story in a few minutes about how that could cause some trouble uh, as we go forward in this process. But right now, let's just talk about a couple of these candidates. Um, I think right now, my front runner um, is Ted Cruz. I, I know that um, people have had issues with his birthplace, but he was born. Uh, to, um, to American uh, citizens, um, even though he was born in Canada, so he has the legal right uh, to run for president. And he incidentally, uh, he hasn't hid where he was born either or tried to put it into dispute. But um, Ted Cruz seems to be the most, have um, the Best possibility of winning from the field that I can see as well as the most positions that I find myself in agreement with um, I got a chance to listen to a uh, conference call that he did um, about uh, gun issues in the Second Amendment which I was for the most part very impressed about um, I do uh, I did kind of take slight issue Uh, when he talked about um, kind of raffling off an opportunity to go to the shooting range with him and exercise the Second Amendment. When, in fact, the Second Amendment goes much farther than that because the Second Amendment tells us that we have the right to bear arms and to um, be able to defend ourselves against the government should it become treasonous. And, And for the most part, candidates never... Um, go that far they simply try to convince us that they're hunters um and I would venture to guess that some of them only ever pick up a rifle when they're making that point I could be wrong but that's kind of the impression that I get at times um so and then Carly Fiorina has some intriguing things about her um she is a woman so the fact that you know that if she uh gets a little farther along and she's still in the race at least um people uh can't continue to call the Republican party the party of the old white male um and uh, cuz that tends to be what what liberals uh continue to do is to is to uh n- make people believe that that's what we believe about ourselves And that's just not true. Uh, We have openings for anyone who has a passion for their country and for the Constitution upon which it is based. And then uh, Mike Huckabee, I respect Mike Huckabee, but I feel like he's kind of had his opportunity um, to make um, this run for the White House, and I'm not sure... Um, how good of a chance he has. Uh, Rick Santorum, I kind of feel the same way. I I like Rick, and it will be interesting to see uh, what happens and how uh, these guys distance themselves from one another and establish themselves, hopefully, as a candidate that can win the White House. Again, not based on beating the other candidate as much as putting forth a good, solid plan for the future of America. And uh, there are many people that say one of the reasons that um, Republicans should go uh, left of center or left of where they are and go more centered is because we need to be focused on economic issues so that we can get the American economy back on track. But I have said before, and I will say again here on the Russ and I is Your Day Show, that if we do not get back to Believing and trusting God morally, He cannot and will not bless us economically. So this is something that we need to keep in mind as we go. I just want to say very quickly, um, please do not mind so much the uh, uh, sounds in the background. Things are very busy here at the satellite studios of the Russ and I is Your Day show, and so if you hear any incidentals in the background just be aware of that it's always a very busy and active place all right well now that we've talked about um the republican presidential candidates in general let's talk about um some specific um stories uh that i've seen on the political sphere and uh the first one i want to talk about is some comments made by Jeb Bush. Now, I know Jeb is not a favorite of a lot of people in the Republican Party, and some people think that he would become the presumptive nominee should he jump in. The irony is that it's us as the people that would have to make him the nominee. So, for the number of people that hate him versus the number of people that say that he would be the presumptive nominee, it doesn't seem to make sense because if we really don't like him, we won't make him the nominee. But I just thought this was kind of interesting um because he said um it says in this article that I have here, and a lot of these references are from on Onpolitics at USA Today dot com. And he said this um well it says this former um former governor uh, Jeb Bush. A likely but still unannounced Republican candidate for president in 2016 toured a Lansing plant that manufactures an anthrax vaccine Thursday during a three-day visit to Michigan and said he expects to spend a lot of time in the state if he becomes a candidate. It's an important part of the country, Bush said of Michigan. If you think about it from an electoral standpoint, I think Republicans need to get up here a lot. At the state level, Republicans dominate, but at the national level, for presidential elections, we haven't which spent about 30 minutes taking questions from employees of Emergent Bio Solutions, whose North Lansing plan uh, employs more than 400 people. And then uh, it goes on uh, to talk about um, education and um, I'm trying to see um, what he said. Oh, it says here in this paragraph. Bush is an ad- Bush, who was governor in Florida from 1999 to 2007, is a school voucher and charter school advocate who founded the Foundation for Excellence in Education. Um, now, I was kind of taken aback by this because um, my understanding is that he's pretty high on the Common Core, which I think is an absolutely ridiculous uh, waste of resources um for the on on for the education of our children and so many people have been able to successfully show the stupidity of it um but this this particular article at least does not uh seem to be indicating that he is um that bad on this issue of education now i i'm not going to take one article over everything else that i've heard but it doesn't seem to jive with what I've been hearing. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, I don't think he is um, going to be anywhere near the top of my list. And as I said, um, I've said before on my show or somewhere else, at least in the conversations that I've had, that we cannot, um, we cannot say that having another Bush in the White House would be dynasty or would be like a monarchy because we still as the people have the opportunity to vote for him and if you, guess what if he gets voted for and wins the presidency he will win the presidency if he was the best candidate I would vote for him whether his last name was Bush or not so we need to stop using that as an excuse either in a bad or a good way and we need to simply vote for the best person, and I can think of several men on this list of candidates that we've been discussing and that we discussed earlier who would be better choices than he, but I just wanted to throw that out there, and it does look like Michigan could be a key state for these upcoming elections, which would be kind of, um, neat, because sometimes, um, when we're talking about national elections, we wonder how um how significant we could be toward that process and uh and it, it could end up being more than we think, so just wanted to throw that out there and wanted wanted to encourage you to uh investigate the candidates um and be able to make an intelligent decision when Michigan has its primary. And I'm not exactly sure when that is. I probably should have looked that up um, before coming on the air. Um, I know we've had some pretty early in the year primaries. Um, Maybe I'll just look that up uh, here and see if there is an indication of when that is. While I'm looking that up, Um, I'll just say that, um, I, I really think that it's important, uh, to vote in the primary. And I really think that, um, the, uh, the Democrats voting in the Republican primary had a lot to do with Mitt Romney winning, uh, the Republican nomination, um, and, and it may sound, sound weird again, but I really think it is. it's true. So hang on. I'm going to look this up. Da, da, da. I'm not quite as good at Russ at riffing on a on particular song, and I don't have whole music ready, so we'll see if I can find this. Um, let's find a date here. Good old Google Chrome, the official browser of the Reizer day show uh, incidentally i I really think that um we need uh a, a president who is going to have his own mind made up on the major issues and not have to compromise. You know, I know there have probably been a lot of candidates that have gone into office with with high goals and high aspirations, uh, but it's easy once you get into the political process to um, want political um, expediency over the right thing. I remember hearing in my time with... uh, with... Uh, Right to Life in Michigan that when uh, Roe vs. Wade came down and abortion was legalized throughout the country, that Ted Kennedy said that he was going to fight it with everything in him. And he quickly uh, changed his mind and ended up retiring as one of the most liberal uh, senators we've ever had. And now another liberal... um, is in there, Harry Reed, who has made uh people miserable for for many years as well and i I think I've got this right that he is stepping down, but it's very easy um to uh think that you are going to stick to your principles, but really um you need to Put God first and uh, make sure that uh, you are um, doing what He wants versus what the people want. Uh, majority does not um, dictate uh, that something is right. Um, and I know some people will say that uh, uh, that it should, but we have a standard. Uh, as believers in Christ, and I know Russ shares it with me that the Bible should be our standard, and in order for the Bible to be a good standard, we have to know what's in it, we have to believe what's in it, we have to practice what is in it. All right, well, I apologize uh, for that wait and that I have fumbled around a little bit on this, but I just looked it up, and it says that the Michigan Legislature as set March 8th for the 2016 presidential primary so um, March 8 2016 will be the presidential primary and it will be interesting uh, to see what um, candidates will still be alive at that time and who we will have to vote for and I'm looking forward to it uh, because I want to make sure that come uh, november that we have a candidate that i not only will vote for because i want to defeat the liberals but also i vote for because i believe in what they stand for and that they agree with me on important issues so that um is where we're going with that and then um i just wanted to mention that uh, Donald Trump is back in the news as far as presidential uh, aspirations go. And I know he's been in and out of the news over the last few election cycles that he might run for president, but this is what on politics says about that. It says, Donald Trump, the real estate, real estate magnate and celebrity apprentice host, will make a major announcement on June 16th, um, citing a source close to Trump WMUR in Manchester, New Hampshire reports. The source would not say definitively that Trump would announce he's running for the Republican presidential nomination at the event. However, the story noted that there are indications that Trump was moving towards a run, such as the formation of a leadership team in New Hampshire, which hosts the first presidential primary. And again, we've heard these things from the Donald before. I'm not sure at all where he stands on most issues, and I probably would not want him to be my president, but it would be interesting to see how he jumps in and how he would affect the trajectory of the Republican nomination. And you know hopefully he would at least um, encourage people to be bold and honest because that's one thing he is known for is speaking his mind. Whether you agree with it or not, That is one thing that he does. So we will um, keep our eyes open for that. I'm sure that Russ um, will have his own commentary on that, perhaps on Monday's show. And interesting, uh, there is a uh, Winnipeg University poll, I think that's how you say that, that says that 21% of Republican voters say they would definitely not support Trump. And that is the highest number for any of the announced and presumptive GOP candidates. So it's, it's fair to say that he would have an uphill battle to say the least. Right. Well, so, so we, so it definitely will be an interesting race. And that brings up what I was talking about earlier. Um, and what I wanted to bring up now, which is, um, that there's a poll and let me go down here so I can see what the name of it is just a second here um, it said oh and this is this is Quinnipiac University as well shows that um, Republican voters um, have a five-way tie first place for the nomination Uh, the top five being Jeb Bush Ben Carson Mike Huckabee Marco Rubio and Scott Walker and this this talks about another thing uh, which I have been concerned about and that is that the conservative candidates um, tend to split votes allowing for a more moderate to liberal candidate to rise to the top. And this is a concern that we need to be aware of. On the Democratic side, uh, for all that that they have as shenanigans, one thing that we can be almost sure of is that they almost... uh, They they almost definitely already have a presumptive nominee. I think, think as sad as it is, many... uh, Democrats will back Hillary Clinton. I'm not saying she will get the nomination. We'll have to wait and see who jumps into the Democratic field. But they seem to be a little more focused on what they want to do, whether I agree with it or not, to continue their hold on this country. And we as Republicans really need to get behind someone so that we can um, secure a victory for a good candidate And put up a good showing in November, which will give the Republicans back the White House. But more importantly, put a principled conservative back in the highest executive office in the land. One who will not um, abuse their power, but will use it to make a difference in this country. And so, um, of these five, I find it interesting that uh, Jeb is still at the top. Because I'd like to know who's doing this poll when again so many people that I know of uh, have voiced their dislike for Jeb um and yet every time I see something about um hopeful candidates Jeb is near the top of the list even though he hasn't even announced that he will indeed run and so um but another thing about this poll about along with the five that are tied is the fact that 20% of the Republican uh, voting base is undecided. And so according to this poll at least, um, it's a huge, um, huge block of people that do not uh, know where their vote will go. Um, Of course, polls can be deceptive. I've never been asked in a presidential poll who I'm voting for. And so somehow um, they miss me and if they're missing other, missing me, uh, they're probably um, missing other people. And of course, um, we'll just have to wait and see what actually happens. But my main word of advice to you is to become engaged, find the people that you can support and support them with enthusiasm. You need uh, to be exercised in this opportunity. There are so many countries... Uh, that are uh, dictatorships where people don't have the opportunity to make a decision about their chief executive. We do, and we should not take that for granted. And so I I just want to encourage you with that, that uh, we need to uh, be exercised to make sure that we know the facts and that we vote based on that and that we prepare for that March 8th primary. When we will get a chance to give our first voice uh, to Michigan believes should be the Republican nominee. Um, And uh, we need to be exercising our freedoms. You know, people say, well, freedom is eroding. And yes, it is. But nothing uh, annoys me more than people who, who complain about our freedom eroding but aren't exercising the freedoms that we currently have. Uh, Just like if you don't exercise muscles, um, when you're in your physical exercise life, they'll atrophy. We don't exercise our rights. That's one way that they atrophy real fast. So make sure that you're exercising your rights. Make sure that you're informed. Make sure that you inform others when you can. Let them know about the Russ and I's Your Day Show. Because Russ and myself, when I get the opportunity, are here because we want to inform you. want to engage you in discussion to make sure that you know the facts you need to know so that you can go forward and make good decisions which will affect your future you know you say this every election but whoever becomes president will have a lot of power the there are aging members of the supreme court one of the biggest things that a president does is to elect uh or to appoint uh Two justices to the Supreme Court. And it, and um, it's a lifetime appointment. And so that legacy can live on for years and years. Um, so we need to make sure that we put somebody in there that will constitutionally uh, deal with that. All right, well, we, we are coming uh, close to the end of the show. We still have a few more minutes. And I just wanted to... Uh, Share with you something a little fun at the end of the show. Um, I found this article. uh, It's from The Independent uh, in the UK. And it it, uh, deals with the issue of uh, how to live to be really old. And the crux of the article is... uh, Let me go here. It says uh, how to live to be really old. And let me see what the criteria is here um it's it talks about some advice from some of the oldest people that are still living and the beginning of the article says something kind of interesting it says the best way to live to be really old is to be a woman uh the 10 oldest people ever to have lived were all female and the list of 100 Verified Oldest People contains only a handful of men. So sadly, Russ um, and myself, along with all of our male listeners, are at a disadvantage in this category. Um, but let's look at uh, some of the other things that it says. It says location-wise, the United States is the place to be for being super old. With a staggering fifty-one of the top one hundred from the US, while Japan also sees a chair of supercentenarians. Beyond that, um, we have some testimonies of the hyper um elderly to rely on, which fortunately are plentiful given that reporters never really always ask what their secret is. And uh some of these um are kind of interesting um genie oldest human ever to have lived was born in 1875 died in 1997 at age 122 years old and 164 days and she said to she was said to have enjoyed an occasional glass of port wine and a diet rich in olive oil she met Vincent Van Gogh and described him as dirty, badly dressed, and disagreeable. So that's kind of interesting. And then the second oldest human to have lived was born in eighteen eighty and died in nineteen ninety nine at one hundred and nineteen years, ninety seven days um in the US, and that was Sarah Sarah Naus. And she didn't divulge a secret, but her passions were said to be watching golf on television, doing needlepoint, and nibbling on milk chocolate turtles, cashews, and potato chips. Uh, That sounds like a pretty good diet to me. But I guess that only happens when you get old, then you can basically eat what you want. Which incidentally, I knew of someone who um, I'm pretty sure all she would drink um, in her latter days. Was. Pepsi. Seems like there was one thing that she would eat. I don't remember what it was. But she, her family actually wrote to the Pepsi company. Um, on her behalf. Um, telling them that the only thing she would drink was Pepsi. The Pepsi company agreed to give her a lifetime supply. And I believe she lived for at least a decade after that. So there is definitely some interesting things. About uh, growing up and being old and living through all the things that these old people especially those over a 100 years old have lived through and it's kind of interesting uh because after the flood in the bible uh the life expectancy of man went down quite a bit before the flood and there were several people that had lived to be you know seven, 800 perhaps even 900 uh years old and uh uh, for us, getting to be you know 85 to 90 is a big deal. Um, I got a chance, uh, and as we close here, I guess I'll segue into this that one interesting addendum to this um, conversation about aging is Louis Zapparini uh, lived to be 97. Uh, Louis Zepparini is actually the subject of the book Unbroken, which I am currently listening to in audio form. And uh, I also got a chance on Memorial Day to see the movie Unbroken. It's a powerful story. I would encourage you um, to grab the DVD, which will probably soon be available if it is not already, and watch it uh, with your older family and friends. It's not something for children, but if if you're a junior in high school and above maybe even a little younger but i i would say because of the content a junior in high school is a good gauge uh then you should watch that movie and realize the true sacrifices that um louis and others have gone through uh for your freedom he went through so much torture that it's hard to believe that he lived through that let alone living uh to be 97 and uh passing away right after the film was completed and before it came out in theaters late last year was when he passed away so um just um, some interesting thoughts about aging and being old and i want to leave you um with uh the, the thought of um from the of scriptures which says if you desire um To have many days, uh, you should honor uh, your father and your mother so that you will live long in the land which God has promised you. And of course, that's a promise uh, to Israel, but it is a principle that is applicable today. And I hope that um, with Mother's Day behind us and with Father's Day yet to come, that you will take the opportunity to honor your parents, let them know that you love them and uh, try to do something nice for them or buy them a nice gift to show them how much you appreciate what they've done for you. I would not be doing uh, podcasting at all or this podcast in particular if it wasn't for the encouragement of my parents and especially my mom to continue to pursue the things that I love and to be used in the way that God would have me to be used. I just want to take this time at the end of the show to thank Russ, uh, once again, for the opportunity, um, for sitting in, uh, for him, uh, in his absence. And I'm pretty sure that Russ will be back with you again on Monday for more, uh, Russ and I is your day. I'm sure he will have, uh, some opinions on the things that I have talked about. And, uh, Uh, We will, as always, uh, engage in uh, productive, intelligent conversation over these issues. Uh, If you would like to, uh, again, get more information about Speaking for Him, you can do that at speakingforhim.com. That's speakingthenumberforhim.com. If you want to contact me by email, you can do that as well at andrew at com Again, that's the numeral 4, andrew at speakingthenumeral4.com. And I would love to hear your feedback on this episode. If you want to get in touch with Russ, go to com And also, check out Russ and Day on iTunes and Stitcher. Finally, if you want to follow us on Twitter, um, Russ's Twitter is simply at Russ Van Allen. And my Twitter is at speaking for him. Again, the numeral for him. So if you want to uh, contact us that way, we would love to make ourselves available in that form as well. Well, I think that's all I have for today, and I will uh, sign off now. But thank you for sitting in with me for this hour of the Russ and I is Your Day show, and uh, we really appreciate our listeners. We hope that you will continue to listen. We hope that you will uh, uh, have a great weekend and we hope that you will continue to be engaged um, and embrace and stand up for the freedoms in this country uh, because they did not come cheaply. Um, Again, Louis Zapparini is a great example of that. So uh, one reason why I talk about these things and stand up for my freedoms is because I'm so grateful for what Louis and other men like him did so that we could have the freedom to do this all right well that's all i have have a great weekend and god bless